Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. Before I continue, if you want to support the podcast, you can through Patreon. You go to patreon.com slash CanadaX, E-H-X. On Patreon, we have a variety of tiers for different levels of support, all with amazing rewards to help keep this podcast going. So, if you want to support the podcast, just head on over there. Today on the podcast, I'm going to look at the life of one individual who definitely made his mark on Canada. He is the most decorated First Nations soldier in Canadian military history and the most effective sniper of the First World War. He is Francis Pegamagalbo. And this isn't just about his military career, because he is so much more than that. And the history of the First Nations in the 20th century in Canada ties to him. Born on the Shawinigan First Nation Reserve in Ontario on March 9, 1891, although that is sometimes stated to be 1889, Francis had the Obijiwa name of the wind blows off. His father Michael would pass away in April of 1891, followed by his mother Mary soon after. With the death of his parents, he would be raised by Noah Nebimaniquad, who also raised Michael. With Noah, he would learn the skills of hunting and fishing, as well as indigenous spirituality and Catholicism. In 1912, he would begin working for the Department of Marine and Fisheries on the Great Lakes as a marine firefighter, and lived near Perry Sound, where he received financial aid for room and board, courtesy of attorney Walter Lockheed Height. In 1913, Francis developed typhoid fever, but he was nursed back to health by the Sisters of St. Joseph in Perry Sound. When the First World War erupted, Francis enlisted within two weeks despite the discrimination of the government towards minorities. In fact, indigenous people and minorities were exempted from military service, but that did not stop Pegamagalbo when he decided to enlist. His enlistment, only 10 days after the start of the war, would get the notice of the local newspaper with Frederick Hill reporting. His grandfather was a warrior and chief and fought for the British in 1812. So that bot comes by his fighting instincts from a long line of ancestors who fought in the Indian Wars. We're all hoping Francis would distinguish himself as his forefathers did and will return home covered with glory and medals. His example might well be followed. He was posted with the 23rd Canadian Regiment, also called the Northern Pioneers, and was posted at CFB Valcartier. As a soldier there, he decorated his tent in traditional symbols, including deer, which was the symbol of his clan. In October of 1914, he was deployed with the 1st Canadian Infantry Battalion as part of the 1st Canadian Division. This was the first contingent of troops of Canada to be sent to fight in Europe, and they would take part in the first battles of the war. In April 1915, Francis fought in the Second Battle of Yeeps, and he was here he would set an example as a sniper and a scout. After the battle, he was promoted to the Lance Corporal rank. In 1916, he took part in the Battle of the Somme and was wounded in the leg. He received treatment in time to join the 1st Battalion as it moved to Belgium. During the Battle of the Somme, he would relay messages along the front lines, and his commanding officer, Lieutenant Colonel Frank Albert Creighton, nominated him for the Distinguished Conduct Medal, citing his faithfulness to duty and disregard for danger. For unknown reasons, it was downgraded to the Military Medal. 
Nonetheless, he was one of the first Canadian soldiers to be awarded the medal, with the citation saying, He carried messages with great bravery and success during the whole of the action at Ypres, Festibert, and Givenchy. In all his work, he was constantly shown a disregard for his danger, shown a disregard for danger, and his faithfulness to duty is highly commendable. In November 1917, he took part in the Second Battle of Passchendaele, earning a bar on his military medal. At this point, he was a corporal, and he played an important role as a link between the units of the 1st Battalion's flank. When reinforcements became lost, Francis guided them and ensured they reached their spot in line. His citation for this medal would read, At Passchendaele, this NCO did excellent work. Before and after the attack, he kept in touch with the flanks, advising the units he had seen, this information proving the success of the attack, and saving valuable time in consolidating. He also guided the relief to its proper place after it became mixed up. In 1934, he would relate the situation when their own creeping artillery barrage started raining down on them at Passchendaele. He would say, At our objective, we suffered very heavy from our own gunfire, I'd done all I could to stop by reporting to our CO Sparkling and the artillery observers. My comrades going up in pieces shell after shell. At daylight, cannonade was still going strong. Presence of mind came to me. I had a flare pistol with me. I shot a white flare. Millions of eyes saw it. It should have been fired when we reached our objective anyways. The moment I shot the flare, the field guns ceased fire. Soon after the battle, he developed pneumonia and with the exposure to poison gas attacks, he suffered terrible chest pains that would last the rest of his life. But despite his injuries and weakened condition, he soon returned to action. In August of 1918, he was in the Battle of Scarpe. He helped to fight off a German attack near Upton Wood. With his company almost out of ammunition and in danger of being surrounded, he braved machine gun fire and rifle fire to go into no man's land and get more ammunition to allow his post to carry on and assist the pushing back of the attack of the Germans. For his action, he would receive a second bar on the military medal, and he's one of only 39 Canadians to receive that honour. His citation for the second bar reads, at Ori Trench near Upton Wood, when his company were almost out of ammunition and in danger of being surrounded, this NCO went over the top under heavy MG and rifle fire, and brought back sufficient ammunition to enable the post to carry on, and assist repulsing the enemy counter-attacks. At the close of the war, Francis had served the entire war in the front lines and gained a reputation as a skilled sniper. He is credited with killing 378 Germans, the most of anybody in the war, and capturing 300 more. His method for gaining kills was to slowly creep into no man's land at night, a very dangerous task, and then wait for soldiers to start to arrive, often for days. It was said of Francis, his iron nerves, patience, and superb marksmanship helped make him an outstanding sniper. For his bravery through the war, he would reach the rank of Sergeant Major, and he would receive the aforementioned military medal with two bars, the 1914-15 star, the British War Medal, and the Victory Medal. It is likely that Francis would have received the highest military honour in the Commonwealth, the Victoria Cross, if not for the fact that he was Indigenous, and racism against his people was still prevalent. Once back home in Canada after the war, he would serve with the Algonquin Regiment Militia as a non-permanent member, he was then elected chief, as his grandfather and father had been, of the Perry Sound Band in 1921. He would be re-elected in 1924 and serve until 1925, when an internal power struggle forced him into resigning. 
This was far from the end of his political career though, and from 1933 to 1936 he was back serving as a counselor of a band. In 1933, the Department of Indian Affairs changed its policy so that the Indigenous chiefs could not correspond directly with the department, and all correspondence had to go through an Indian agent. The new amount of power given to the Indian agent was not something that Francis was happy about. He did not get along with the Indian agent that was assigned to his band, and the agent called him a mental case because Francis was so involved in political affairs. Despite others not understanding his motivations and working for indigenous rights, he continued to send letters to the Prime Minister and policymakers, demanding better treatment for the indigenous people of Canada. His main goal though, and despite never achieving it in his lifetime, was to have the Band Council overrule the Indian agents. With the outbreak of the Second World War, Pegamagaobao served as a guard at the munitions plant and was involved with the local militia. In 1943, he would become the supreme chief of the Native Independent Government, which was an early national indigenous organization. That same year, he took part in demonstrations of Parliament Hill in which indigenous people called for the exemption of income tax and conscription of First Nation people. He would go on to serve two terms as the supreme chief of the Native Indian Government. In 1952, Francis, who by this point was the father of six with his wife Eva, would pass away at the age of 61. By the end of his life he had to sleep upright because his lungs were so weak from gas exposure that sleeping any other way would cause his lungs to fill with fluid. Despite his death, his legacy and impact lives on. He is a member of the Indian Hall of Fame in Brantford, Ontario and a plaque honours him. And he's honoured along with his regiment along the Rotary and Algonquin Regiment Fitness Trail in Perry Sound. The 3rd Canadian Ranger Patrol Group HQ building at CFB Borden is named for him as well. A life-size statue of Pegamagaobao was also erected on June 21, 2016 in Perry Sound. The figure has an eagle on one arm and a Ross rifle over his shoulder with a caribou at his feet. The eagle was the spirit animal of Pegamagaobao and the caribou represents the caribou clan. In 2019, Swedish metal band Sabaton released an album about the First World War called The Great War and it included a song about Francis called A Ghost in the Trenches. Currently, his medals are at the Canadian War Museum. Information for this piece comes from Wikipedia, Canadian Encyclopedia, Veterans Affairs Canada, CBC, Military History of the Upper Great Lakes. I hope you enjoyed this episode and our look at Francis Pegamagalbao, and if you did, please consider giving us a rating and review. Again, you can support the podcast at Patreon by going to patreon.com slash CanadaX, that's E-H-X, and you can reach me by email by going to CanadianHistoryX, E-H-X, at gmail.com. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.